There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, welcome to Take Off with John Clark, and please subscribe for free to this podcast and rate it and review it. And we've got a special guest. Every year we look forward to talking with him leading into the NFL draft. We are now less than three weeks away. Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network, I say their best draft analyst. Always uh, good to catch up with you around the draft. Good to see you, man. I, I long for the days where we get to do these in person, like the like the old days. Maybe soon, maybe next year. I know. I remember that. And I think I was trying to remember. I think we made a bet in Dallas before the NFL draft, okay. but I can't remember what the bet was. And I, I probably lost. That's why I oh, uh, now now I'm a rack my brain because I feel like you might owe me something here. Dang, I gotta remember what this is. I probably owe you a steak dinner, but that's probably uh, when this is all over. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. We'll get there. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, so your latest mock draft. Uh, you're on the clock. Who are the Eagles taking at 12, do you think? Well, you know, I, I think they go in a couple different directions. You know, where they moved out of six and position themselves in 12, I think they're in a pretty good spot for the top corner, potentially, uh, or you're looking at, at maybe the top edge rusher. So there's a couple different ways they can go. But I would think if Patrick Sertan, the second, is there, you just turn in the card. Um, it's just to me, he's a high floor, high ceiling guy, and you put him opposite of Darius Slay and off you go. Um, he's just a clean. I mean, I think last year that was a – Look, we'll see how it works out with Rager. It was a little bit of a risk, um, and so far the returns haven't been huge. Uh, to me, I think maybe putting this one right in the middle of the fairway with somebody like Patrick Sertan II would be a good move. So for you, Patrick, is the best cornerback in the draft? For me, yes, is where I have him right now. John, if, if look, if Farley didn't have back issues, I would have him as the top corner. I think he's the most talented guy. Uh, but when you start having issues there uh, – to me, it's just in a year like this where it's weird, you don't get, I don't get as much medical information. I just played it safe, and, uh, and I went with Pat Sertan. Uh, over J.C. Horn as well. And J.C. Horn is right there. So I have, I have those guys very close to each other. And I, to me, I wouldn't have any problem w- with either one of those. Uh, to me, I think those are just outstanding players, and they've done it in the SEC against really top-notch competition. Uh, they're complete corners. They can run. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have, you know, it's to me, it's splitting hairs. If you go Sertan, some teams might like J.C. Horn. Uh, I don't think there's a wrong answer. Now, on your mock draft, you have the Giants taking one of the receivers right ahead of the Eagles, Devontae Smith, but Jalen Waddell could still be there for the Eagles, but you would go corner, or do you think they're going corner? 
Well, I mean, Waddle's my fifth overall player, so he would be my higher rated player. But I just don't know if they can afford to keep going back to the well of the skill position guys like that on offense. When you, know, you look at some of the marquee positions that need to be addressed again, you're looking uh, if they wanted to continue to add to that offensive line, even though some good pieces in place there, edge rusher corner. Uh, it, to me, it would just be hard to keep going back to that well and not getting some of those premium positions. And, you know, the Eagles, I mean, look, they, last year everybody lost their minds because I thought they, it was a real chance they might finally take a linebacker at Kenneth Murray, and they didn't um, in the first round. They usually uh, fall back in the trenches, and they've gotten away from that a little bit, and I think they go back to it now. All right, so you're not thinking they go Micah Parsons and take that linebacker first time in over four decades? I don't think so. I thought last year, I thought that was really uh, a real possibility there. Um, and I thought where they were positioned and Kenneth Murray, what he would bring, I thought made a lot of sense. Again, uh, Parsons has a ton of ability, but uh, I, I don't necessarily see that being a match for the Eagles. So are you thinking there is no chance that Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase is still there at 12? I mean, look, it, crazy things can happen, you know, and if we see five quarterbacks come off the board, which I think is a real chance, we have five gone by the time the Eagles pick, you mix in a couple tackles, um, you know, I, I guess there's a, there's a possibility. I think the corner run would have to take place. Probably two or three of the corners would have to be gone in order to push one of those guys down. But I, I've yet to talk to a team that isn't enamored uh, with Kyle Pitts. So for him to make it there, I, you know, I'd be shocked. And we are really looking forward to your draft coverage on NFL Network. And you can follow Daniel at Move the Sticks. You've also got Move the Sticks podcast. Um, when you looked at Howie Roseman's move to move back from 6 to 12, you get that first rounder next year. But give yeah. me an idea. Would you have done that if you know Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase is available to you at 6? Well, you know, it's hard to make that determination without knowing where they are on Hertz. You know, to me, if I'm not sold on Hertz, I get the strategy of, OK, hey, let's let's get some insurance here. We're going to have potentially three ones next year, which will give Jalen this year, see how he does. And if for some reason it doesn't go well, we've got all these resources to try and address the quarterback position. So um, that's what this kind of looks like to me. Man, if you if you really, really you know thought, OK, we've got something here with Hertz, it'd be hard for me to, to pass off the opportunity to get somebody like a Pitts or, or a Jamar Chase um, to me more Pitts more so than Chase, just because he's a unicorn, man. Like he's he's literally the highest grade I've ever given to a tight end. So the guys like that don't come around very often. All right. So if you thought you could get Kyle Pitts at six, you wouldn't trade back then. I would not, but I'm also looking at where the Eagles are right now at 12 and looking at their accumulated picks that they have, they could still hold on to the extra one they got for next year. And if they wanted to part with some picks, a combination of picks this year and next year, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that, man, hey, you, you could get back up to maybe an eight or a nine if something were to happen and Pitts were to start drifting into that range. I wouldn't put it past the Eagles at all. They end up getting the guy they want and they still have an extra first rounder next year. Yeah, you know how he likes to move. Yeah, how how he likes the juice, man. How he loves the juice. He likes to be active and be involved in things. And um, yeah, I would say it would be a mistake to assume that they're done. So when you look at, at Kyle Pitts and then Jamar Chase, is that your top two as far as playmakers go? And then the rest, or could you put Waddle uh, and Devontae in there as well? I think those guys are all uh, top 10 players. It's a unique year to have that many, you know, receivers, pass catchers in the top 10. Uh, but for me, they are. And, and I go with uh, Jamar Chase is my second overall player. Or sorry, uh, Pitts is my second overall player. Jamar Chase is third. 
I've got Waddle fifth. Um, and then I've also got Devonte Smith in there. So to me, all of those guys are worthy of being top 10 selections. And we've seen it in recent memory where you get some of these talented receivers that get pushed down the board a little bit because the sheer volume and, and teams are realizing, man, there's good value in, in day two and rounds two and three. And they're not necessarily going to take all those guys up there. So, you know, your earlier question asking about is there any chance Jamar Chase would get there uh, on, on the surface? I'd say there's no way he's too special. He's a unique player. Um, but some of these teams might opt for the option to uh, to look at receiver a little bit later on. When you see the Panthers trade and get their quarterback, does that put a non-quarterback into the pool that maybe the Eagles would have liked? I, I think it puts a tackle in play there uh, when you look at their their setup right now. I think they're in a position where they, they, there's a real chance, depending on what the Bengals do, they're going to get either the number one or likely the number two tackle on their board. So you bring in Sam Darnold. Uh, the left tackle position, there's a little bit of a hole there for the Panthers. So uh, that, to me, looking at it today, looks like probably the most likely route for them. And, well, I mentioned the Eagles, you know, trying to get more reinforcements. If they can just stay healthy, you know, the offensive line's in pretty good shape. Now, Kelsey's getting a little bit older, uh, and Brooks, you know, with the health situation. But when you look at Mylotta and the tools that he has, Dillard's coming back, still got Lane. Um, there's a lot of teams in the NFL that would be just fine having the depth the Eagles have there. You know, Philly, if they see Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase go at five or six, you know, if the Eagles were still there, yeah. and six, like, wow, we could have had that type of player. Yeah. You know how Philly's going to react, though, right? I, I have a pretty good idea. Uh, yeah, no, there, there'll be pressure. There'll be pressure on whoever was to come in with that 12th pick to, to get out there and be impactful. And then you just have to hope that these extra assets you have in the future, you're going to be able to find similar impact. Um, the challenge is to me is guys like Pitts just don't, they don't come around very often. So it's interesting because if you're going Pitts and you stay at six, if he's yeah. there, you're saying, okay, we could possibly have an incredible player, future hall of famer, as you think, or I guess maybe two good or very good players instead of one off the charts. Great. Yeah. I think it just comes back to the quarterback. I think it's quarterback insurance and you, you want to have as many first round picks in the future and, and, I think some people assume, well, we don't know what the quarterback class looks like next year. It doesn't seem to be like it's very impressive. Well, every year we see these guys emerge out of nowhere. Zach Wilson's a great example. Uh, we saw it, you know, with Kyler Murray. We saw it with Joe Burrow. So you never know what the quarterback class is going to give you. But I would also add to that, who knows what's going to happen into the future with some of these veteran guys. We'll see, you know, this Deshaun Watson thing has gotten really ugly. Um, but maybe a year from now that's in a different place and the same – uh, with Russell Wilson is a potential uh, possibility there. Now, how he's going to be armed with a lot of draft capital. So if he does want to make a move on a veteran quarterback, you'll have that luxury. The other thing is, man, if the best case scenario for the Eagles is if Jalen Hurts hits and plays really well, and now you've got your quarterback extremely cheap um, as a second round pick, and then you've got all these resources to really build around him. So uh, to me, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens here and, and what they do in this draft. But I would, again, if, if, if they end up picking just at 12 and not moving either up again, uh, back up or moving down again, I'll be surprised because I just think there'll be, uh, there'll be some intriguing options there. I really like your thinking about if they were all in and hundred percent behind Jalen hurts and knew that he was their future quarterback. Yeah. You drafted six, but I really like what you're thinking because if you possibly do have three first round picks next year, you're not only in play for a Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, yeah. but you're in play for one of the top quarterbacks. So that leads me to ask you, 
What do you think will happen with Jalen Hurts? You studied him. You've watched him. Do you think he can be a starter? Yeah, I think he has starter ability. You know, I'm curious just to see, you know, how this this new coaching staff and him come together to put this offense together. He's going to have, you know, if they provide they stay healthy, he's going to have a better front. He's going to have a better offensive line. Uh, hopefully some of these young receivers can kind of blossom and take the next step. Um, but yeah, no, I think he's got, I think he's got some ability. I think he's got a chance to be a quality starter. It's, you know, none of us know. Uh, we don't know until he gets out there and gets a full season, but yeah, there was some, definitely some good things you pulled from last year. And when you're thinking the Eagles could possibly go defense at 12, whether it's Patrick Sertan or somebody else, do you feel there's other receivers that they could get on the second day? Yeah, I mean, you can look under a flat rock and find receivers. They're everywhere. <laughs> it's every year, it's like this. We've seen it the last three or four years, John. So, um, yeah, no. Every year, go back and just look at the, the receivers picked in the second third round. Last year, when you see guys like Pittman and Claypool and Mims and, and on and on and on. The year before with uh, Plug Your Ears, Eagles fans, DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown. You've got there's McLaurin. These guys are there every year. They're there every year. So let's get, let's get into that because – Last year, of course, you saw the Minnesota Vikings reaction when the Eagles took Jalen Rager. And yeah. look, I think Jalen Rager can be a player. Now, yeah. he came, came into the season with a shoulder injury. Then he had the broken thumb. So he, he dealt with injuries, and it was such a weird year. But where would you evaluate Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, and maybe why they went the way they did? Well, I mean, last year I have to go look it up, but I mean, I know I had Jefferson. I want to say as my 13th or 14th player, um, yeah. so I, I was high on him, and you know, and it would have been a heck of a pick. And obviously, the Vikings were very happy with it. Rager to me was, I believe, my 57th player or something like that. I know he wasn't in my top 50, um, but just a pure, you know, deep threat speed receiver who, um, you know, look if he can stay healthy and stay on the field, there's there's a home run ability there with him. Um, I just didn't think he had the same route polish and, and, and things that you saw with a guy like Justin Jefferson. So do I expect that he's going to be able to catch up and close that gap yeah, a little bit, but I don't think we're ever going to be at a point where we say he's, you know, he's on the same level as somebody like Justin Jefferson. He's just not as talented or as gifted as a route runner. Howie Roseman obviously makes the final call. And mm -hmm. if you believe a lot of the stories out there that a lot of the scouts liked Justin Jefferson and then coaches, maybe Howie and others like Jalen Rager. How tough of a call is that for Howie Roseman when maybe the coaches and Howie believe you need that speed on the outside, West Coast offense that opens it up for the yeah. tight end, running back and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, that's the challenge. That's the hard, that's why it's a hard job. Um, you're trying to balance between, you know, where you are as a personnel department and, and what you feel and, and taking input from coaches about what they need and how it all works together. And you know, sometimes, you know, ideally you, you'd like to all be on the same page and say, OK, we agree. You know, coaches, personnel, this is our guy. Let's go. Um, but there's other times where you don't. You have a disagreement and, and you've got to make that call. And I'm sure, you know, we don't know the examples, but I'm sure there's been numerous examples uh, where it's happened in the past and we just didn't we didn't know about it. And um, and that's a situation where, you know, who knows what the actual truth is. Um, but look, how he knows it, he'd be the first to tell you the buck stops with him and he's ultimately responsible. It's his decision. And he's got to take in all the information and, and do the best that he can. Philosophically with the other receiver that they took JJR Sega Whiteside the year before, it's interesting yeah. because a lot of times they do look for the production. JJR Sega Whiteside had a bunch of touchdowns in that draft. DK Metcalf 
did not have the same production no. as far as touchdowns. But then when you compare that to Rager and Jefferson, Jefferson was the one with all the production and Rager didn't necessarily have it. So do they kind of have to get on one sort of philosophy when it comes to drafting a receiver? Well, you know, I think, it, again, it comes back to what you're trying to find, John. And, and Metcalf was a was a freak. I mean, like just a rare freak in it. And that body, I mean, as fast as Jalen Rager is, DK to run what he did at, at that size is that's different. That's different altogether. Now um, that doesn't come around very often. And I think people need to also remember there was a neck issue with DK and, and I don't know where the Eagles came down on that from a medical standpoint, but I've been in draft rooms where we've loved players and had to pass them because we didn't get the okay through the medical process. So there's that aspect of it. And, and to me, I, I think when I go back and just look at my stuff over the years, even though you could say our Sega Whiteside was productive, still more of a jump ball guy, a lot of red zone production, you know, real physical. But, you know, when I go back and look at it, if you just go with the route runners, like who are the guys that are pristine route runners, they create separation, they catch the football, uh, those, you're going to be in pretty good shape. That's a good point. We saw what Howie Roseman was able to do with Chip Kelly's personnel moves obviously he had to undo a lot of them and they were actually boom right in the Super Bowl uh within two years of reconstructing that roster a lot of people in Philly are down on Howie right now do you think with the volume of picks and I think it's 20 over these next two yeah. years that they can rebuild quickly here I really do and you know I know a lot of those guys in that personnel department a lot of them have been friends of mine for a long time and this is a group of guys that, that built a Super Bowl winner. And I think when they all get on the same page and you've got some new energy here with a, with a very young coaching staff, that you can. You can flip this thing around quick. We've seen a lot of examples of it over the last few years, none more recent than, uh, than last year with Tampa going on and winning the Super Bowl once they got things figured out. You know, the quarterback's going to be the driving force of this. You know, can that be Jalen Hurts? That's the hope. Um, but if for some reason it's not, they've got to hit on on the one the following year. But you can take a lot of pressure off whoever that quarterback is when you're dominant up front. And again, that's why I think in this draft, I would I would imagine you're going to see some uh, some real focus on the trenches. You, of course, were an Eagles scout about a decade ago uh, working in the organization. Some people say Eagles owner Jeff Lurie is more involved now. Uh, yeah. What was your experience with? Jeff Lurie and ownership being involved in the draft process. Yeah, Mr. Lurie was always involved. I mean, he was always in the draft room. Uh, he had the binder in front of him with all, all of our reports and he was going through, you know, with a pen or highlighter or whatever he had in there. Um, he was always invested in the process. So I think that's kind of, uh, it's a little naive, I think, to think that this is all new, that this is, you know, that Jeffrey's just now paying attention. He never, when I was there, I was only there for two years, but Jeffrey never, you know, heavily influenced the decision that I was aware of, but he was, he wanted to know what we were thinking and, and maybe challenge somebody on an opinion, uh, which I thought was a good thing. I'd rather have the owner be, you know, into what's going on as opposed to just, Hey, let me know what happened. Uh, so to me, he wasn't meddling at all. He was just, uh, he wanted to be a part of the process. And I believe when you were a scout with the Eagles on the West coast, of course, they, they really liked Russell Wilson and Howie, oh, yeah. Rose, Howie Roseman told me last year that, that was one of the things that went into his thinking about Jalen Hurts. You don't want to wait to the third round because if he's gone, then you will really rue the day that you kind of let somebody go that you could have basically just gotten there. So what was your experience with that? And do you think there is any chance here that they could still pull off a trade for Russell Wilson down the road? 
Yeah, I w- again, I wouldn't rule it out. It looks like Russell, to me, on, on the outside, looks like he's looking for a new opportunity. Um, and when that comes, who knows? But the Eagles would seem to be a match. I know how much he was, you know, obviously every building is going to be interested in Russell with, with his ability level. Uh, but I know we had a, a, a lot of love for him there in Philadelphia. Um, to me, uh, I think it, there is something to that of we really liked him and we thought nobody else is going to take this guy in the third round. We're going to take him in the third round. And it turns out he got you know picked right in front of him. So uh, right in front of us. So it, I always tell, though, people in the last couple of years, that used to be one of the saddest stories uh, 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 in the draft was, man, want Russell not getting him. And then we hit Foles, and even though he went out and came back, Foles ends up, you know, being the Super Bowl MVP. So at least there's a little, uh, a little happy ending there for the Eagles fans. <laughs> uh, are there any other good draft stories from your days with the Eagles that uh, fans listening to this would be interested in? Oh man, John, that's a good one. Uh, no, no, I can, I can remember, you know, just Fletcher Cox that year. Uh, that was, uh, that was universally. Uh, kind of everybody's guy that year. So there was a lot of excitement when he was, when we were able to get that done um, and position ourselves to get that pick. So uh, that was a celebration. There's times in the draft room where you have high fives. Um, There's other times where you kind of look around the room and you're like, well, he might like this pick, but this guy over here is not happy. Fletcher Cox is one of those universal. Okay. Yeah. We're all, we're all on board with this one. Hey, how about what's going on with the quarterbacks around the league over the last couple of years? You're seeing so many top two and top three picks changing teams part of that is teams saying we can upgrade at the quarterback position but some of it is also guys wanting to leave and wanting out like Carson Wentz Deshaun Watson maybe even Russell Wilson is this kind of the craziest most tumultuous period you've seen with good young quarterbacks I think there's just a lack of commitment so there's a lack of commitment from teams to quarterbacks and I think quarterbacks have then said you know, look what Tom Brady just did um, to make that move and look at how he was rewarded for it. So I think you're seeing some some individual quarterbacks saying, hey, I want a little bit more control of my destiny. And, and you saw Kirk Cousins play that process beautifully in Washington to be able to get himself free and on the open market. Uh, Dak, you know, darn near got there until they just broke the bank to get his deal done. So you're seeing it really from both sides. It used to be, this is our quarterback and maybe he has some deficiencies, but we love him. He's our guy. He's going to be our guy for 10 to 15 years. And we're going to try and build around him with what he does well. And now it's like, you know what? We can get this quarterback to a B level. Um, that's not good enough. We want it. We're going to keep chasing uh, that A level quarterback. And they, they are uh, flipping the switch and turning on these guys quick. As I said, we're looking forward to your NFL network coverage. A couple final questions for you. When you look at quarterback play for the Eagles and you look at some of their young talent like Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard, Jalen Rager, um, obviously Carson Wentz was the worst quarterback in the NFL last year as far as turnovers, getting sacked. How would you rate some of those younger players on offense that they have? Well, I think Goddard's an elite player. Um, So to me, of all those guys, he's the one that gets me the most excited. And I think the offense should run through him. Uh, in the future. So, so that's the one that, that fires me up. And then um, we need these young receivers have just got to step up. They, they've got to play better. I think you're solid in the backfield. Miles Sanders, a good player. Um, I don't necessarily think he's an elite player, but a really good player. I think this offense is going to kind of go, um, you know, what the offensive line expected to stay healthy, you know, knock on wood, it's going to go as far as these young wide receivers can take them. All right. So you have put out a lot of mock drafts over the years. Give me an idea how many have you hit on? What's your record uh, hitting them in the first round? 
Oh, it's terrible. I, I think I think one year, maybe 11 or 12 would be probably as good as you can hope for. I mean, one trade and you throw the whole thing out the window. I mean, it's not worth anything. Um, but and then there's the other challenge, which is there's times where, you know, you've got relationships with people and you know things and you can't you can't put that out there. So I'll be ready and I'll be able to react on television to it. But uh, some of that stuff you can't put out there on Front Street. Have you ever gotten a call from somebody saying, hey, why are you saying we're going to take oh, this yeah. out oh, yeah. there? Oh, yeah. I've, I get one of those. I, every, usually every time I put out a mock draft, what are you doing? I'm like, I, dude, I, didn't, I haven't talked to anybody in your organization, man. That's just, I'm just looking at a need and kind of looking what you've historically done, and this guy makes sense. Yeah, please don't do that again. I'm like, oh, come on, man. leave me alone. And it's pretty amazing, this, this mock draft business and people predicting. Do you wonder why books haven't created like uh, a parlay to see how many people can get first round picks right? And, and you know, oh, I think that exists. I, I think all that stuff exists out there. Uh, you know, it's I, I don't wade into it, obviously, with our connection with the league. But I, I promise you, there's people that are uh, more interested than others uh, come draft night. All right. Well, we're looking forward to it. We're less than three weeks away. Once again, we'll see you on NFL Network and it's Move the Sticks on Twitter. It's Move the Sticks on podcast. And uh, I will get you that steak dinner because I do believe I lost. Thanks. I, I don't even know what it was, but I'll take a steak, John. You got it. You got it. Well, thanks for joining us, Daniel Jeremiah. Thanks, bud.